0: Hola, ¿qué tal? It's Chiquis from the Chiquis and Chill podcast. State Farm apoya con orgullo este podcast and all the storytellers on the My Cultura podcast network. They value nuestra familia as much as we do, and that's why they're offering surprisingly great rates so you don't have to give up on doing what you love. With State Farm, you'll help protect what's important to you. Together, we're committed to elevating the Latino experience. It's our time to be heard about so many topics. Y con el apoyo de State Farm, nuestras voces can speak about mental health, familia, financial literacy, body positivity y mucho más. State Farm supports our vision, our communities, our neighborhoods y nuestra gente. Tus seres queridos son tan importantes para ellos como lo son para ti. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. State Farm, a proud sponsor of the My Cultura Podcast Network.
1: This is America with Rich Valdez, powered by
0: PolitoWeek.com. And Rich Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You work for Chris Christie, you've been in politics,
2: a lot of public service stuff.
0: Rich Valdez, Valdez. columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America.
2: Uh, Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. The nation. This is America with your host,
3: Rich Valdez.
2: What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City. And, man, we've got so much to discuss today. I really want to talk about a lot. I'm probably going to tease a bunch of stuff and not get to it all because there's really just one of those days where there's a bunch of news. So I want to just put this out there. I feel terrible about what's going on with Bruce Willis. Since we've been talking about Will Smith all these days, I figured a little Hollywood isn't going to hurt anybody. But Will Smith is a new jack in the acting game, even though he's been around for 20 years or whatever. But Bruce Willis? Come on. That's an OG. I mean, he was old when I was a kid, and he, not that he's an old man. He's only 67, but he's been one of those uh, really, really super successful actors, like Smith as well. But he's really made a mark, and he's he's been unabashedly conservative and pro-America, and it's a shame to hear that he's been diagnosed with, a, um, with symptoms of dementia, starting with aphasia. And aphasia is one of those things that I went with with my own dad. I went through it where he would forget words, and he'd become very frustrated, and uh, eventually it was difficult for him to even eat because chewing was something he was forgetting how to do. And dementia is a horrible disease. It really does um, take you away from yourself. You know, you could have dementia for a really long time before you die and never really be alive anymore because you're not really the person that you once were. So I hate to start off on a sad note, but my thoughts and my prayers are with Bruce Willis. I think he's an amazing actor. God bless him and everything he's done for Hollywood. And I want to tell you a story about a baby squirrel. Uh, And this is a real story. It's about a squirrel that was separated from his family very early on in his little life and became friendly with an auto mechanic where I've taken my car. And I was at the garage one day and the guy was telling me the story about this little, really cute little baby squirrel. I mean, he was not a full grown squirrel. I was like, what's with the squirrel? And he told me, oh, you know what? He lost his family. He ended up in here one day and he wouldn't leave. And it was interesting. So, you know, he fed the little guy and the the, the little guy became very friendly around people. So he didn't run away from humans. He kind of thought he was one of us. And he was almost like an assistant to the mechanic, which is a funny thing. And he was there every time I went by. Anyway, the idea of a... um, squirrel not being skittish around humans, well, that ultimately cost him everything because he was sitting on a chair where humans would sit and he was taking a nap and a woman sat on him and sadly he was crushed. It was curtains for the little squirrel. R.I.P. Now, while not everybody has an adopted squirrel as a pet, We love our pets. We all love our pets. Sometimes more than we love our loved ones, right? I know I often say, I love dogs better than people. I must say that at least once a month. That's why some people are choosing to clone their pets so that they don't have to hold on to their photo or their memory after their life ends. They can actually just create a backup pet to replace the existing original pet. Crazy. Now, of course, people are saying if you can do that with pets, you can do it with humans. And I'm sure it's been tried and we've seen how they've grown ears on the back of a of a rat and that type of thing. So having a spare pet, if you will, and they're doing it through this pet cloning process. Now, I don't think cloning is a good idea. Let me just put that out there. But scientists love this stuff. They always have. Does Frankenstein ring a bell? Russia's uh, Kremlin-run media, RT.com, was discussing cloning recently. And I think that the way that we frame the conversation about different technology and philosophies is part of the problem. Too often, people want to react in disbelief and simply paint things as, that can't be true. So instead of actually looking at the data that we now have, we, we try to verify its authenticity. And you have to do both, but it doesn't always serve us well because we waste our time and our energy trying to figure out or write something off saying all that cloning stuff, all that stuff is all fake. And it's not. Clearly, people are buying dogs. And after all, science is literally the idea of trying to prove a hypothesis through the scientific method. And of course, some people have incredulously dubbed this a conspiracy theory. And I'm not a big fan of conspiracy theories, but some people seem to think that if it's Consider it a conspiracy theory. It can never become real. Or if it becomes real, then all conspiracy theories are real. <laughs> and, and I just think, why don't we look at things for what they are? But anyway, back in 2005, there were some big debates over the ethics of cloning with respect to fetal stem cells. And there was also debate with cord blood at the time, et cetera, et cetera. But I remember that was a big deal. And the, the stance that I took was, we should probably not play God. But many doctors are saying, no, because we may need to grow a kidney or help you grow a part of your kidney. And the way that we do that is through this cloning process. And the ethical issue was people asking the question, do we make a human life for just a little while and then destroy it? And is that wrong? And the church weighed in and said it was absolutely wrong. But that doesn't mean that people that are not part of the church don't think it's right. Many of them, they see this as revolutionary. It's the best science they've ever seen. And for me, this is not necessarily my fight. I'm not here to wage war against cloning, I just find it very interesting. So on its face, I think we should probably leave that alone. We shouldn't do cloning. But I understand the scientific community, they want to recreate a spleen or recreate a heart for someone that may need one so they don't have to use a pig heart, you know, a bovine heart, and put it into somebody in a transplant. And matter of fact, they just did that recently and the guy died. So how would you approach cloning if you needed an organ or you couldn't find one? Let me know on social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez with an S, on all the social media platforms. Now, I want you to listen to this clip from RT.com Russia Today. Check this out.
4: For the very first time, U.S. officials have given the green light for scientists to experiment with uh, modification of human genes. It's been approved in the hope of trying to develop new anti-cancer technology. But the tests undertaken on humans have been underway for some time already. Meet Elizabeth Parrish. She became a test subject for her own biotechnology company. Last year, at the age of 44, she was tested with two types of therapy. The first to prevent losing muscle mass, which comes naturally with age, and the second to battle stem cell depletion, which is linked to various diseases. We spoke to her about her innovative products.
5: We're dealing with people who have the potential lifespan of 120 years but they're retiring at 65, often disabled, unable to work. We're telling you that we've done some safety data on it because the world is, in, is waiting for a cure and we want to move it forward into clinical trials. We want to see what happens in human bodies. We want to create bodies
2: All right. Hold on, Frankenstein. You want to create bodies. And that's exactly the argument that's always been there is, are we going to start creating humans? Because we're going to start with, oh, let's just make an ear. Oh, let's try and regrow a finger. Oh, let's try and do this. And the ethical question becomes, are we going to allow people to create entire human beings just to destroy that human being, create life to destroy it? That sounds a lot like let's destroy America because we love it. It sounds crazy, but that's exactly where we are. So I'm wondering what your position is on that. Please get at me on social media. I'll try to read your responses on the air. But this doesn't just stop here. People are doing this with their pets. And this from an article in BBC.com. From duplicate dogs to modern mammoths, cloning has come a long way since Dolly the Sheep took her first steps in 1996. Ominous predictions were already being made within days mostly focused on the grim possibilities of human cloning. Some even suggested that cloning would provide a way of replacing lost children for bereaved parents. While Time Magazine greeted Dolly's arrival with a cover headline that mused provocatively, will there ever be another you, question mark? <laughs> That's an interesting headline. But on the other side of the world, a Japanese stem cell biologist was observing the events in Scotland with very keen interest the rise of regenerative medicine. And with that, we find that companies are now offering for a service, for a fee, to clone your dog. And you figure, you know what? What's the way to man's heart? A big plate of rice and beans, right? Food. <laughs> but for many people, it's their pet, their dog, man's best friend. And I want you to hear this one minute clip on their sales pitch from a company called Viagen this is how pet cloning works at Viagen Pets we know
5: lots of people have questions about genetic preservation and cloning of their beloved dog or cat so let's meet the Anderson family and their pet Buddy. Buddy is a smart playful 12-year-old golden retriever the Andersons consider Buddy to be an irreplaceable member of the family as Buddy got older the Andersons decided to preserve Buddy's genes Their vet performed a small tissue biopsy, a minor procedure for Buddy, and sent the sample to Viagen for genetic preservation. We cultured new living cells from the sample, and then the cells were frozen for preservation. So the Andersons were comforted to know they had the option to clone their pet should they choose to do so.
2: Now, this is how they do it. They sit there and do the process they just described there and allow you to reorder. Hey, let me get another buddy. And when this buddy part one is over, I'm going to get buddy part two. And when buddy part two is ready to go, well, you know what? We'll put him down and we'll get buddy part three. And I wonder, I'm a dog lover. I've loved every dog that has ever been in my family, whether it's mine or a family member's. And I can't imagine that. Because I think people are individuals, people are are special, dogs are special. We have them for just a finite amount of time, and then it's over. Ya, punto, final, period, the end. I don't know that we're supposed to play God and do that. But I've got more on that. If I have time, I'll get back to it. Fascinating article in uh, BBC. I will tweet it out and put it on all the social media so that you could check it out as well. It's really long, so I'm not going to read it to you on the air but I do want you to take a look at it. Anyway, straight ahead more to come. I want to talk about some of the polls that are out there, some of the numbers, some of the crazy things that are uh, going on. They want to introduce Matt Gates wants to introduce or has introduced hunter biden's laptop into the congressional record which i think is great because it's floated around the internet long enough and everybody's ignored it everybody be in the media so uh we might touch on that but there's a bunch of other stuff i want to get to so uh stacked show i'm going to try and move as fast as i can don't move a muscle keep it locked right there rich valdez this is america
3: this is america
4: what up what up it's dramos from the life as a gringo podcast and y'all already know food has the power to bring people together. Whether it's takeout for two or watching the season finale of your favorite show or going to a barbecue with your peoples, both go great with an ice-cold Coca-Cola by your side. And if you can't cook, chips and dip work, especially as you listen to your go-to podcast. At Michael Tura. we know familia, friends, and community matter. That's why we aim to elevate Latino voices. So share the magic of our podcast With your friends and add a Coca Cola to the mix because there's magic when we eat together. Coca Cola, proud partner of the Michael Tura Podcast Network. Listen to new episodes of your favorite Michael Tura shows, like Life is a Gringo, available on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: This is America.
1: He's brown, he's bald,
0: and he's breaking it down. This is America with Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back, Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S. And I heard a joke that I wanted to play for you because it's an old uh, Charlie Murphy. Charlie, there's
1: a new joke going around. Have you heard it? What is the five fingers say of the face? <laughs> What? (laughs) slap, Charlie, there's a new joke going around. Have you heard it?
0: What is the five fingers? Say to the...
2: Okay. Now that's, uh, again, uh, Charlie Murphy, uh, R.I.P., rest in peace. But what I find funny about this is that, you know, they've been talking about smacks for the longest time. So we're not going to get into um, Will Smith again. I mean, maybe later I might make something about it. But I just wanted to play that joke. But what I do want to talk about is our question and answer segment. If you have a question that you'd like to send to me, that you'd like to ask me, I'll answer it on the show. Just email info at richvaldes.com. That's info at the therichvaldes.com. T-H-E-R-I-C-H-V-A-L-D-E-S dot com. Info at therichvaldesk.com. But first, I want to take a look at today's Just Facts question of the day. Check this out. From where did the Federal Reserve get the trillions of dollars that it used to prop up the economy since 2008? Through buying debt, stocks, and toxic assets from governments and corporations? Or borrowing? Choice A, borrowing. Choice B, conjuring. Choice C, investing. So where did the Federal Reserve get these trillions of dollars that they've used to prop up our economy? Hmm. Now I'm going to go with conjuring because I know since it's not gold backed, the uh, currency we use, it's fiat currency, so they can do that, right? And they can always sell our debt. They securitize bundles of debt and they send it to they sell it to China, they sell it to whoever will buy it. So I'm going to click conjuring and see what happens. I'm going to click submit and I am correct. <laughs> All right, ding, ding, ding. And here's a little bit of the answer. Since 2008, the Federal Reserve has changed and engaged in a policy called quantitative easing to provide quote-unquote relief from the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009 and COVID-19. Qualitative easing involved buying more than 7 trillion in debt, stocks, and toxic assets from governments and corporations. In the words of PhD economist Ben Steele, the Fed implements Q E mainly with newly conjured dollars that it creates electronically. So everybody that's talking about um, digital currency, this, that, and the other, it's already digital. They don't even print these dollars that we're spending at the federal level. And there's more to it. Go check it out at justfacts.com, justfacts.com. I recommend their newsletter. Because it's chock full of facts. It's uh, primary source data. This is the stuff that you want to know and read and have available to refute people when you argue with them. Go to justfacts.com slash rich, and you can get their newsletter absolutely free. Now, what I want to talk about specifically was not just that question, but our own question and answer, right? And somebody wrote me and asked this question because we were arguing about the Russia, uh, Ukraine, biolabs and all that. And I've discussed it at nauseum, but I want you to hear their side. So here's their question. They were making the case that Canada would be the equivalent of Ukraine to the United States. And you've probably heard this in other places, but this is what they sent me. And they're making the case that with Ukraine hiding biolabs that are containing a biological weapon that can be used against Russia. Now, again, this is the Ukrainians fighting the Russians with a pathogen that's designed to kill Slavic people. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they all have this same background because they've all been neighbors for, uh, you know, since the beginning of time. But this is the question. If Canada was hiding biolabs that were producing bioweapons to kill the Latino genetic code, would Latin American countries make a move on Canada? Or would they allow them to successfully make bioweapons and eliminate the Latino genetic code? So this is their argument that Putin is right to be invading Ukraine because they're going to wipe out his entire race, (laughs) right? His entire nationality. And I think, man, not saying that this can't happen. I'm saying that even if that were the case, if you tell me there's a house on my block and they're plotting to kill me, I'll go there and I'll get those guys. I don't have to blow up the whole block and take over the whole city in order to get at the bad guy, right? I mean, it just seems common to me, commonsensical. I don't have a lot of common sense, but that to me seems like the common sense approach. My answer to him is this. The U.S. government, first of all, through the um, Defense Threat Reduction Agency, which is, you know, some deep state agency that helps clean up uh, bioweapons and, and make sure we have our hand in everything, has been partnered with different biolabs all over the world, specifically in Canada, for over 20 years, just like we've been in that Ukraine deal for 16 years. And they're not hiding anything. All of this stuff is publicly available. It's verifiable. So my thought, again, like any other stationary threat, you secretly send in a SEAL team or a targeted drone strike, and you wipe them out. Then you say, oh, I guess it was a gas leak. I don't know what happened. It wasn't me. Or you call them out when you're at the UN meeting or at the G20 in front of other nations that are at risk, not by sending 190,000 troops and spend 30-plus days in there as you invade the entire country. Now, I know that Russia has raised these issues at the UN about the biolabs, but they haven't made the the type of case that I think they need to make if that's actually the case. It's not even on the uh, Kremlin website. The only thing he talks about there is restoring the Russian Empire, et cetera, et cetera. The rest of it's all rhetoric. Now, another question that came in says, Russia will reclaim the Ukraine to rejoin the Slavic people. China will reclaim Taiwan. North Korea will reunite with South Korea. And the Middle East is coming for Israel. This person goes on, all thanks to the globalist mentality all encouraged by the DC warmongers while the mockingbird media eats it up and regurgitates it to the unsuspecting sheeple. This is a play on words, people that are sheep. All right, so here's my answer. This particular conversation reinforces exactly why it's so dangerous for Iran to be partnered with Russia and China. The other part of this is about these bloodlines, this, these Slavic people, these people that are uh, focused on ethnic purity, some sort of uh, rhetoric that, honestly, is what Hitler spoke about. And he echoed these sentiments regularly. Now, this is a very common theme of uh, Europeans. And it goes back to even the Moors promoting Islam in Spain and other parts of Europe before that. Or even the Barbary pirates before that. So, yeah, race and ethnicity have been a big part of, of Europe's existence, protecting the, the bloodline and whatnot. It's not been a big part of the American existence. And we flourished because of diversity. Not in spite of it. So I answer rhetorically, will the Queen of England reclaim the United States? Of course not, because we're no longer ethnic tribes that are joined uh, by a common bloodline. We have airplanes and postmodern thinking and tradition has escaped us, whether I like it or not. I'm not a big fan of postmodernism and I do like tradition. But I realize that people marry outside of their quote-unquote tribe all the time. We don't have a caste system. This isn't India. You've got rich people marrying poor people. You even have the the prince of England who married an American actress. Maybe she wasn't poor, but by no means was she nobility. So unlike what you might be hearing, it's my opinion that the United States, when it takes these very aggressive military positions like it did in the 80s, because something else they mentioned was that, you know... Ukraine doesn't have sovereignty. Where was the sovereignty for Grenada? Where was the sovereignty for, for Iraq and, and this type of thing? You know, Grenada, for example, in the 80s, it was designed to stop the expansion, the aggressive expansion of the Soviet Union and their influence. This isn't comparable to what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Not in the least. Ukraine's not trying to expand its territory, Russia is. And they're doing it right in Ukraine's backyard. So they can complain about Nazis and this and that all they want. But I find it interesting how all of this rhetoric, bloodlines and whatnot, everything always seems to lead back to the Jews. Everybody wants to always hammer the Jews over something. I mean, I think the anti-Semitism that is wrapped around so many of these tropes, so many of the arguments that I hear, even from people that agree with me most of the time and disagree with me on this topic, I find it just, it's palpable. But hey, what are you going to do? Anyway, that's our Q&A question and answer segment, and I'm going to be doing that more often, so make sure you send us any questions that you have. If I'm able to answer them, I will happily at the following email address, info at richvaldes.com. info at the richvaldez.com. All right. More to come straight ahead. We're going to talk about what's going on with gender and womanhood and teachers and Disney and DeSantis. Don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America.
5: This is America. At Bakers, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner. Come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local Bakers. Bakers, fresh
0: for everyone. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. The 45th president, Donald Trump, thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good, Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative
3: talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez.
2: All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with the S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. By the way, it's a nickname Marco Vinn gave me once. And I want to get into what's going on in Florida because this is part of the culture war. People are all over the place beside themselves with this uh, don't say gay bill. And again, we talked about this at least in the last three or four shows. But uh, I just find it it's not going anywhere. It's probably as ubiquitous as uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock. <laughs> the Spanish restaurant that I go to, it's a little cafeteria uh, in Bogota, New Jersey. I go there for coffee. And uh, and the dinner's good there, too, and lunch and all that, but the coffee's just stellar. It's called La Giraldia, if you want to check it out. But they um, they have a TV on while you walk in, and I go in and I hear the, the Spanish-language radio show, one of the New York stations, is having this discussion about el don't say gay ley, right? The, the new law, the don't say gay. And I thought, oh my gosh, they've been absorbed into this. Now, at the end of that conversation that they had on the radio... They ended up with um, the same opinion, I guess, that I have, that this is probably something we shouldn't be talking about with children at that age anyway, at least not school teachers. But that was the topic of conversation. So more has unfolded with that. The president of Disney corporation has spoken out against this and we've got some audio on that. Plus teachers are speaking out and Rhonda Santos blasted them back. Plus my thoughts. So listen to this. The woman, her name is Karen. No, I forget her last name. She's the president of Disney corporation. Check this out.
3: I'm here as a mother of, of two queer children, actually. Um, uh, one transgender child, um, um, and one pansexual child. Um, And and also as a leader. Um, And that was the thing that really got me because I have heard so much from so many of my colleagues over the course of the last couple of weeks um, in open forums and through emails and phone conversations. And um, I feel a responsibility to speak um, not just for myself, but for them.
2: Now, she feels a responsibility to speak for everybody because she has children that have these uh, special characteristics of being LGBTQIA plus and pansexual, et cetera, et cetera. You heard her. And again, that's Karen Burke. I had forgotten her last name, Karen Burke uh, from Disney Corporation. But she goes on and she goes on to say that. She supports having many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in their stories and wants a minimum of 50% of the characters to be LGBTQIA and racial minorities. Now, listen, I don't have a problem with that. Disney's a private company. She can make as many queer characters, Hispanic characters. She can make a Rich Valdez character, you know, a a talk radio Puerto Rican guy. I don't care. That's her prerogative. But I, I think it's interesting that... That is the standard that they have espoused because in my life, I've never, I've hired, I used to run a department in a university. I've worked in a fortune 10 company. I have never, ever said we're going to hire people or create things based on these arbitrary or popular culture themes in my own life, right? I go buy coffee at a Cuban place. I go to Seven Eleven Sometimes I go to Wawa. Sometimes I go to different gas stations. I go to nice restaurants every now and again. I never walk in there and say, all right, well, the maitre d' looks like they're of color, but the restaurant manager looks like they're white. And excuse me, sir, are you the owner here? How many of your staff are of color? And why aren't you? they're going to look at me like I'm crazy? That's just not how we do things in life. We never wake up and live our lives through the lens of racism. But that's what Karen Burke wants to do at Disney. So you be aware, you know, be guided accordingly and listen to the rest of this
3: um to all of us we, we had a we had an open forum last week at 20th where um again the home of, of really incredible groundbreaking lgbtqia stories over the years where um, one of our execs stood up and said you know we only have a handful of queer leads in our content and i went what i that can't be true and i and i and i realized oh it, it actually is true. We have many, many, many LGBTQIA characters in our stories, and, and, and yet we don't have enough leads.
2: Now, I want to say something again, because we didn't just wake up today. We've been here for a long time, this country alone 200 some odd years. How is it that we've been able to exist in a society where we have books, we have television, we have restaurants, we have entertainment, we have Broadway shows, and yet... Everybody that I know, I don't live next door to a transsexual. I don't live next door to a whole bunch of gays or lesbians. The majority of the people that I see in my day-to-day travels are men that are married to women, men that date women. This alternative lifestyle is a minority. And to, to promote the notion that 50% of the people that you see your favorite television show, you know, they, they dabble in wokeness now, but what she's suggesting is that no, I mean, if you, if half the people are straight, half the people should be gay. Where does this concept come from? That's not equity. This is engineering. You were, completely fabricating your own reality. And again, you're entitled to. I don't have to watch it. I never have to purchase a Disney product again, and that's okay. But the premise of where they come from is what concerns me because it gives birth to teachers that are very, very opinionated and feel like they have a right to say whatever they want to your children. This gives birth to anybody, a doctor, whomever, that you're going to have a service with that all of a sudden for the last 200 years, and I'm just using 200 years because America's 246 years old or whatever it is, and we've never had these problems. All of a sudden now, everything has to be adjusted. Now everything has to be changed in the name of a small yet very vocal minority. And sadly, they want to do it in a classroom. Now, this next clip of audio is a teacher. He was on MSNBC and he's worried that he can't discuss his love life with kindergartners anymore. And I think, my goodness, this is very problematic. And again, this is a teacher that's on MSNBC because he feels he has more rights to your kids than you do. Listen to this.
1: Yeah. You know, it's twofold. It really hits hard um, in my heart professionally and uh, personally, both Uh, professionally. It it truly makes me feel like um, I am not trusted as a professional. Um, I know my kindergarten standards through and through and um, nowhere in our curriculum does it have anything about um, teaching sexual orientation or sexual identity.
2: Great, as it should. So I think most parents will trust you to teach, you know, the ABCs and the one, two, threes. And other things like, you know, don't hit this person and don't do that. And, you know, even as far as what they used to do, which I know they don't do anymore, but good touch and bad touch. And I guess they went away from that because too many kids were saying, hey, so-and-so did a bad touch. I don't know. But I think it's crazy. But to sit here and suggest that this is a non-issue, if it's a non-issue, you wouldn't be on TV, sir. Nobody would care about your opinion that they created a law to stop you from doing something that's not even happening. It's a non-issue, right? It doesn't matter, but it does. He continues.
1: Um, so for them to, to say that, that, that that's happening, um, it, you know, it's kind of crazy. Um, but, uh, we should be able to have discussions and, and that's what we're encouraged to do in kindergarten. And then personally, because, um, you know, my, my kids do have questions. They want to know who the, uh, my partner is in pictures yeah. outside of my classroom. And-
2: Excuse me. Never once in my entire life did I ask, who their partner was. I never remembered asking Mrs. Brandon or Mrs. Goldstein when I was a kindergartner and a first grader who their husband was, let alone their partner. Now, I get it that some kids are precocious and they might say, oh, you know, my mom has a husband. Do you have a wife? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I could see kids doing that. But it's the teacher's job as a professional to redirect this and say, you know well, we could look at the story that we just had or what there, there's no reason for you to interject. This is not your new best friend. This is not some sort of social uh, outing where you're hanging out with other people's children because they hired you as a babysitter. You've been hired as an educator, sir. Act like it, and I should be able to speak to that.
3: So, so do you worry? That you won't even be able to talk about your own personal home life i mean i have a child in kindergarten right now i know exactly that my my child has two teachers one of which has a daughter at home um, and is single the other is married and has four children i know everything about their lives because my kid tells me absolutely
2: is that what you send your kids to school for i never came home and told my parents about my teachers personal lives i'd never known anything about their personal lives and again for this guy or this woman both of them seem very young to sit here and say that it was wrong when I got educated. It was wrong what we've done for ever and a day. Because, again, this is not new. We've had kindergarten for a very long time. This hasn't been an issue until right now.
1: Absolutely. You are 100 percent correct. Um, that's what we do as educators. We build relationships with our kids. And in order to build relationships, you talk about your home life. You talk about what you do on the weekends. That's building community. I. It scares me. Death, that I am not going to be able to have these conversations with my children.
2: You should be scared to death of what parents might do to you if they find out that you're talking about your your gay lifestyle and your husband with these people. Now, again, if people are going to say, Rich, now you're really becoming homophobic. I mean, if it, was a, if it was a young lady and she was recently married and she said, oh, my husband and I went pumpkin picking this weekend, what did you do with your family? Listen, if he wants to say he him and his partner went pumpkin picking, fantastic but if you can get to the point where you start showing pictures and you want them to know that this is a man because you want to force feed the acceptance uh social acceptance of them saying no it's okay for men to marry men when you grow up do you want to marry a man it's okay you could be a teacher just like me excuse me sir you're crossing the damn line and you're gonna have to worry about a lot more than will smith let's continue
1: because they're going to ask me what I did on the weekend. I don't want to have to hide that my partner and I went paddle boarding this weekend. Because mm-hmm. then they ask, well, what does partner mean, Mr. Bernard? And, you know, I, I'm worried. Can I tell them what it means? I'm also worried for my kids. I have a little girl.
2: You know what? Everybody has rules in their job, bro. Everybody has rules. I have rules in my job. Not everybody is a huge host that can say whatever they want at the risk of getting fired. And then they can't get fired because they're too big. There are some hosts that will get fired if they say something that's crazy. Happens all the time. People bounce around different radio stations and whatnot. You got to be careful what you say. If they they tell you, look, we don't want to open ourselves to exposure, talking about people in a a maligned or malicious way, then don't do that. Right? You have to follow the rules. There's FCC rules when you're broadcasting on live air. This is how it works. If your job is telling you or the state you work for the city or municipality, a county, if you're an employee of the government, and you're paid by the taxpayer, and they give you a set of rules, follow the rules. I've worked for the state. I never got once got into something about, oh, well, you know, here maybe if I made friends at work, but not professionally, not when I was dealing with, you know, if I was a contract administrator or chairing a grant committee or whatever. I never brought up what, what was going on. You know, oh over the weekend, yeah, yeah, I went to a pumpkin patch. Oh, yeah, yeah, I took my kids to see whatever. That's it. It ends there. It's not this huge thing because professionalism comes first. Who needs to have this conversation, especially with children that are four or five years old going into kindergarten and or eight or nine years old uh, up to the end of third grade? Really, bro? Anyway, there's 20 seconds left here. I want you to listen to the rest of the clip.
1: Well, this year who has two moms and the kids are curious about her two moms. They want to know about her two moms. You know, if they come to if they go to her and ask her about her two moms and she doesn't know
2: everybody has a different family system everybody has different family members next what to
1: say they're gonna come to me and ask me and then you know so what do I do it just it opens up uh for people parents to really take some legal action against the schools and teachers.
2: This bothers me because you know what? Little kids are very impressionable. And I did it. I remember. I don't know if this guy from the looks of this video, it's him and this other young guy. They both look like they're in their mid 20s, early 20s. I don't know that they are the parents of children, but I am. I've been a dad for over 20 years. And I can tell you, I did kindergarten. I did it twice. My youngest is a junior in high school. I remember these things. I remember building the gingerbread house. I remember seeing other parents there. None of these things ever arose, even in situations where there were different family dynamics. We've had divorce. You've had gay marriage. You've had all sorts of things through the years. It's never been an issue. This is not the focus. So they create a law that says, hey, you're not going to talk about this with these kids. Why? Because it's of concern to the parents. It's happening in other places, and they want to end it. You want to sit there and be a crusader for the grooming because they're saying this is an anti-grooming bill, and I believe that. There's no need to sit there and get that personal with your student. They're going to learn just the same if you talk about other things. I don't think I'm wrong on this one. I think you're going to lose, and that's why the bill passed. Anyway, more to come on that same topic straight ahead. I want to talk about DeSantis and how he responded to that, plus what Ron Perlman had to say. I love Ron Perlman, but I think he was uh, dead wrong on this one. Keep it locked right there. Rich Valdez, this is America.
5: Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. At Bakers, we work with local farms right in our own backyard to bring you food that's fresher than fresh. From homegrown watermelon that makes your mouth water to crisp corn picked right around the corner come pick out some yourself because shopping for local produce should be as easy as shopping at your local bakers bakers fresh for everyone
0: and now shop what you love and save two dollars on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card
3: bakers fresh for everyone this is america he's got the best head of hair in podcasting this is america with rich valdez
2: All right, America, welcome back. Uh, Carrying over that topic to segment four. Not going to get to what I had planned for segment four, but we'll put that into tomorrow. So I didn't tease much of it. So we're good to go on that. It was about just some conversations and racial stuff and stuff that I just see and observe. And I take notes and I say, you know, I got to talk about that on the show. But, yeah, welcome back. Rich Valdez, this is America, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. Uh, Let me know how I'm doing. Let me know if you're enjoying the show. Let me know if you're still with me here in the fourth segment. But I want to talk about how Governor DeSantis responded to all of that uh, mayhem that you just heard from the Disney people, from the teachers, etc., Here's a clip from Governor DeSantis.
0: I also thought it was interesting. I talked to the Speaker of the House yesterday afternoon, and he said Disney never called him while they were putting this through the House. They didn't seem to have a problem with it when it was going through. If this was such an affront, why weren't they speaking up at the outset? And yet they won't. And then for them to say they're going to actively work to repeal substantive protections for parents as a company that is supposedly marketing its services to parents with young children, uh, I think they crossed the line. And, you know, people ask me, you know, kind of about, you know, their posture on the bill. I said, you know what? If we would have put in the bill that you were not allowed to have curriculum that discussed the oppression of the Uyghurs in China, Disney would have endorsed that in a second. And that's the hypocrisy of this. And, um, you know, we're going to make sure we're fighting back when people are threatening our parents and threatening our kids.
2: I also- Boom. Great job, Governor DeSantis. I completely agree. That's why people love this guy, because he gets it. He thinks three steps ahead, and he's taking that action. I guess, look, he's going to make enemies along the way. We all do. A lot of people make enemies along the way. I know I've made a bunch. Just look at my Twitter comments. <laughs> There's a lot of people in there that don't like me. But Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman took to the microphone as well to weigh in on this. A bill that doesn't even say gay in the bill. And you've heard that, and you want to keep repeating that so that people can also be educated. Because it's not about not saying gay. It's about protecting parental rights. And if it's not an issue, then it's not an issue. What do you care, right? Let's say they make a new law tomorrow that says, you know what? It is now illegal to kill other humans. And you say, damn it, I I thought murder was already illegal and immoral. If you happen to belong to a particular faith group that adheres to the universal truths of the Ten Commandments. What would I care if they created a new don't kill people bill? You know, or you can't kill people uh, on mountaintops, you know, or you can't kill young people, or whatever it is. You shouldn't be killing people to begin with. So it's a non issue. Anyway, Ron Perlman. You know him from Sons of Anarchy. I loved Sons of Anarchy. I still love Sons of Anarchy. That was one of the best shows. Uh, ever, I think, personally. I think it was a, a well-written show. You know, it got a little bit too Hollywood at the end. But wow, so fascinating to learn about motorcycle culture. If you've never seen it, you should check it out. I think it's on Hulu. And it was on FX back in, um, I think it was 08, 09, you know, straight through 2014 and whatever. And uh, I caught it, I think, around season four. I was dating a girl that that liked that show, and we used to watch it. And it was a great show. I just thought it was a great show. Anyway, point is, Uh, Ron Perlman was, uh, you know, he was like the main guy and kind of a protagonist in many ways in the beginning. And then he becomes like the villain and then he gets killed like everybody else gets killed. If you've ever seen this program, Uh, the series is really interesting, very gory, very, very dark in many ways. But the, the main guy, Jax Teller, he reminds me so much of Joe Biden, like everything Jax touched died. He was just, he ruined everything. He ruined the club, he ruined this, he ruined everything. And uh, at the end, he ruins himself. But it's like Joe El Baboso Biden. They're so similar in that way. But Ron Perlman played his dad, his stepdad on the show. And he took to social media to blast DeSantis and to say that it's not cool to not say gay when the bill is even about that. But listen to this.
3: Good morning, Governor DeSantis. Ron here. Um, Don't say gay. Don't say as the first two words in a sentence spoken by a political leader of a state.
2: Now, obviously, we know that didn't happen. DeSantis doesn't call it the don't say gay bill. It's not really called the don't say gay bill. And it's not written into the bill language. The text of it doesn't say don't say gay. Right. But he's a victim of the fake news.
3: In the United States of America, don't say. Don't th- Say, you f- Nazi pig. Say, First Amendment, read about it, then run for office, you piece of sht.
2: Now I know all of Ron Perlman's friends that. Uh, We're big fans of Sons of Anarchy. A lot of those guys happen. Now, the actors, most of them are liberals, but the actors uh, have fans. And these fans, many of these motorcycle guys, motorcycle clubs, the Hells Angels types, uh, people that love Sons of Anarchy, I'm sure they're blowing him up saying, uh, Ron Perlman now. Ron, you got this thing wrong, brother. Stick to, you know, riding motorcycles and being an excellent actor, which you are. And I'm not going to write him off and cancel him and never watch him again because I enjoy uh, Ron Perlman. But I am going to say, you got this one wrong. People need to be educated on this. And this is just another lesson in how strong, how fierce the fake news media can be. This is absolutely crazy. I want to get into a bunch of stuff with AOC and with Que Mala Eres, but I'm going to leave that for tomorrow's episode because I think we've had so much right here to chew on and we need to digest it. Ron Perlman, you get the song today. Okay. All right. Yes, you get the song, Ron Perlman. I love you. I think you're a great actor, but you got this one wrong. Definitely do some homework. Listen to This Is America with Rich Valdez. And I want to thank everybody else who's listening to This Is America with Rich Valdez, because without you, we don't have a show. You need listeners in order to have a show. So thank you to everybody that when you see the notification pop up on your phone, that you share it. Whether you're listening through Facebook, because you can hear the show on Facebook, which I think is cool. When it publishes now as a podcast, it goes straight to Facebook, so you can share that there. You can share the link on iHeartRadio. You could share it from your podcast app. Whatever you got to do, make sure you do it. And if you do listen on podcasts, click subscribe so you never miss an episode with the automatic download. This way, you can actually hear it. And if you miss it tomorrow, it'll say, hey, there's two new episodes and you could binge watch it uh, or binge listen to it, excuse me, on the weekend. I really appreciate it. It makes all the difference in the world. We got to get this message out there. And uh, until the next time, hasta la próxima. If we stand for nothing, we will fall for absolutely anything they throw away. That's what happened to good old Ron here. And the only thing necessary for evil to try Triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So don't do nothing, do something. Stand up, know it, and fight it. Fight it if it's wrong. Until the next one, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America.
1: This is America.